Thanks for tuning into the Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. Welcome to episode one of the Happiness Playbook. I can't tell you how excited I am to kick off this podcast and go on a blissful journey with you and the amazing principles of play theory. What's play theory, you might ask? Well, we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, I wanted to introduce myself. Again, my name is Neil Hooper. I'm married to my soulmate with three beautiful children. I have a double master's degree in human resources and business administration and have just recently left corporate America with a Fortune 100 company to pursue some passion projects and to make some waves of positivity. I'm passionate about hands-on training and principle-based learning to make lasting and effective change in individuals, and I love pineapple. But let's get into it. I'm really excited because joining me today is one of my favorite people on the planet, Larie Florence, who will be helping produce the podcast and who is also a founder of Play Theory, the mindset we're focused on here on the Happiness Playbook podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Larie. Oh, thank you, Neil. That is very touching. I'm flattered that I'm one of your favorite people and right back at you. I know you and I have had these conversations about bringing play theory to larger groups of people for years. And it's so exciting that we're finally having this conversation and that we're able to share it with a much larger scale than what I have been able to do just with the organization I'm involved with. So thank you. Thank you for making this happen. I'm really excited. So excited to have you here. Really, we're just going to be doing an overview. We want to make sure people understand what play theory is and what to expect from this podcast. So first off, can you share what exactly play theory is and how it was developed? It all started, I can't believe it's been almost 18 years since. Wow. My, yeah, my oldest daughter and some of her friends approached me about, they wanted to study Shakespeare. And I don't have a background in theater, but they assured me that the best way to study Shakespeare was to stage one of his plays. And it was just something casual. It was in the backyard with some of her friends. And I thought, okay, we can do this. This will be fun. And it was. We had a great time. And we had such a good time that this same group of friends and even more friends wanted to do it again the next uh, semester. In their, We actually homeschooled. And so we set up another class, uh, an opportunity to study it. And it was an after school group. So everybody and anybody was welcome. But I noticed as I was taking the time to teach these kids that I was finding these principles that if I taught the youth those principles, I could save myself a lot of time and not just repeating the same thing over and over again. So, and the kids that that learn these principles, and I was discovering them as I went along, it really made a huge difference in their attitude. And the group became successful really quickly. Can you share some examples? I know I've heard a lot and experienced a lot. I was one of those kids <laughs> at <laughs> one point in the acting troupe. Um, but I would love for you to just share an example, maybe uh, to help us dive a little deeper on that. Sure. As you remember, because you were one of those social kids, teenagers <laughs> love to be social. And I noticed that when we would do warm-ups and play these, these games and activities, 
the kids would be really attentive to the instructions because they had more fun when they knew how to play the games. So I decided while I had their attention, I started to attach ideas to the warm-ups of things like focus, pay attention, listen. And then later on, when I needed them to listen to direction or instruction, I would just remind them of what it felt like when they had been focusing during the warm-up game. And that way, it spared me from always having to shush them or tell them to be quiet. It was a much more powerful and positive thing to say, remember the value of focusing, and then they would be quiet, and they would give me their attention. So I started to see the power of that. And some of the kids in the group as well also recognized that kids who bought into these ideas, it was a different experience. And so there were a a small team that we were very conscientious of trying to sort out what principles were most helpful. And we started out with like six or seven ideas. And over a year's worth of time of trying them out and teaching them and, and, um, kind of experimenting with them, they were distilled down to the four principles of play theory that we use today. So we talked about the origin and and something we want to be really clear on as we move forward with sharing these these principles is the many areas of your life where we can apply these principles. I know some people listening right now are hearing the origin. It's coming out of a theater troupe and maybe thinking, you know, okay, these principles are only for theater people, uh, you know, who are on a stage. But I want you to respond and clear this up. Since these principles were developed doing theater, does that mean they're only for theater people? Absolutely not. My background is interesting because I was not a theater person and I, I began directing as an educator in order to learn more about Shakespeare and literature. And then it evolved into theater because that was the medium that we were using to learn. And we've done a lot of theater since then over the last 17 years, but we've always focused on service and using theater as a means to development and these principles that we have found sharing them with other people. And as a matter of fact, I have led hundreds of workshops with thousands of people from a wide variety of groups, from the employees at Walmart to a corporation uh, developing um, better communication within the corporation to we've actually d- gone in and done workshops with wards of the state who are juveniles and helped them develop better communication and every time we've seen consistent results. So absolutely, uh, these principles are not for theater people. They do work if you are in theater, and we have shared them with other performance groups, but it's it's the same outcome, whether it's a soccer team or um, a business or a family. In any scenario where two or more people are present, these principles greatly benefit the communication connection and overall culture of that group. Having also conducted lots of play theory workshops, I actually have rarely conducted them with theater people. And I can totally attest to that uh, of their wide applicability. So thank you for clearing that up. Let's talk about results here for a minute. So we kind of know what it is, where it came from, these principles. 
How would you describe the results of applying play theory? Well, there's this word that I learned that's a Sanskrit word called rasa, and it's always stuck with me. And the literal definition is the taste or character of a work or the feeling prevailing in it. And I noticed as I've gone in and done workshops, every group, and I think everybody who's listening, you can relate to this. You walk in and there's a group of people, maybe they're talking or it's a new class and it has that, that group has its own Raza or energy. Sometimes it can be a timid, quiet, or sometimes it can be negative. You can just feel that. And other times mm-hmm. it's this pulsive pulse and it's exciting. You're interested in joining in. And the power of play theory, when you do go through these four principles and take the time to experience them and introduce them to a group, every single group that I've worked with has the Raza or that that energy of that group has always moved towards a more open and positive place. And and I'm not saying that it cures every single problem. (laughs) You know, it's not like rainbows (laughs) and butterflies start, you know, appearing, but it always shifts the needle to a more positive place. And I, I will say also that there are some groups where we have seen marked improvements that are almost, you know, they are metaphorically rainbows and and butterflies. So it's a powerful, uh, these, these principles are powerful. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I still have participants from workshops I've done, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, and they'll reach out to me and they'll, they'll share examples of how they've applied those principles and how they've, they've benefited their lives. Yeah, that's, that's something that I get on a regular basis are individuals that will, that will reach out and comment, especially kids that have gone through my theater program. And I just want to back up and say, we have wonderful, warm feelings for theater people in case anybody feels like we were thinking <laughs> on them. That's a good clarifying point. <laughs> we, just, we don't want anybody to feel like it's exclusive to theater people. They're some of the best people on the planet. But um, as these individuals who've gone through my program, they will share very personal stories of gaining confidence, um, relief from anxiety, depression, and just general increased emotional well-being, among many other things. And I know you've seen that as well as you've worked with other groups. Connection, communication, culture, these things always improve when you apply these principles. And I've been such a fan of play theory since I was one of those youth in your troop. But I know personally, I attribute so much of my success and my ability to connect with others to play theory. It's so funny. People will come up to me and say, how do you connect with people? How do you, you know, how are you so good at conversations? And I can't take any of that credit. I was just fortunate enough to come across these amazing principles of truth that, uh, that have helped me do that. Well, I, I have to, I have to give you some of the credit too, Neil. You're a special person and I'm excited for everybody who's going to get to know you better on this podcast journey. And yeah, I know play theory, you took it in and you absolutely applied it. But part of the reason you are so successful with it is because you're such a hundred percent all in kind of guy. And that's something that you brought to the table. Absolutely. Well, that's very kind of you. Good thing we're not doing a video, video (laughs) podcast. You'd see me blushing right now. (laughs) 
So let's talk a little bit about the podcast. We want to make sure everyone listening has a better idea of the format of the podcast. So uh, just to kind of break that down, each week on the Happiness Playbook, we're going to rotate through each of these uh, four play theory principles. And we're going to go into those in just a minute in more detail. Um, but we'll alternate with weekly interviews of uh, past participants who have experienced the the principles to talk about real life application. We'll go through exercises. Uh, we'll share positive, uplifting news. But today, though, since we're kicking things off, we'd like to do a quick overview of each one of these principles. And so that's what we're going to do now. Sounds great. I'll start with the first one: be present. It's pretty basic. It really means show up and focus. There's a lot of great info about the importance and power of attention. Mindfulness, gratefully, has really become popular and appreciated in in the uh, recent years. And that's exactly what be present means. If you understand that mindfulness, there are really some great apps out there like Headspace that give you opportunities to practice being present. Meditation and yoga being present is a very, uh, very key element. But it basically just means to focus and to be in the moment and to experience the moment. And um, something that you got to understand about these principles is they really are like muscles. You got to practice. You got to exercise. You got to flex those muscles and they do get stronger. Um, And that kind of ties into um, a, a tagline we've used in the past, which is happiness is a skill and it's something that you need to practice. And I would invite listeners, if you've got a method or an app or a tool that you use to develop that muscle, please share. We are trying to build a community where we're sharing what works and we don't claim to have all knowledge or all understanding of this, but we, we would love to hear what has helped you develop that muscle and develop that strength of being able to focus. Yes. Very good call out. And, you know, it's one of the reasons we decided to start with that be present is if you don't show up, then you're just going through the motions. And in our world, it's ever harder to be where you are with who is there in real time. And so it's such an important skill to practice being able to be present. The other part of being present that is so powerful is this idea that the present is all we really have to work with. It's pretty meta if you really think about it, but the future only exists in our present thoughts and the past can only show up as we turn our current thoughts and attention to it. So it's super important that we learn to develop the skill of being present. Another aside, (laughs) my kids have been super into Kung Fu Panda these past two (laughs) weeks and I have to share a great quote since we're on the topic. Master Ugwe himself wisely said, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, that's so true. It's something you could think about as you're doing your meditation. Ponder that thought. We'll move on to the next principle. Let go and play is what comes next. It's such an important one because if you're not willing to let go of where you're at, you're never going to go somewhere else. And as a child, 
they're so good at learning. They learn exponentially compared to an adult because they're not afraid of making mistakes or letting go of what they don't know. And if anyone's been around a child and you have, I, I actually have five of my own, but they're all old now. And your three little ones, as you observe them, they're constantly playing and that is how they're learning. And so, so we called this principle letting go and playing. And part of the reason it's so important is because even if you're doing something, if you've made a, a bad choice, if you take action and you move forward, you're going to get feedback, which is essential to learning what to, what to do in the next time you take that step. So, you know, if you think about a child learning how to talk or walk, if a child said, if their mindset was, I'm only going to take steps if I know that I'm right and I won't make a mistake, they would never learn. <laughs> right? No, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about how many times a child makes a mistake, like baby gibberish. That's all, those are all mistakes. That's all them letting go and trying and playing and forgiving themselves for making a mistake, even though they're not conscious of it. It's, it's such a powerful mindset that I think adults especially, uh, it's, it's rare to find somebody that's able to embrace that without going through um, a real conscious effort of reconnecting to, to that childlike attribute. I love let go and play for so many reasons. You know this about me. My kind of life motto for the past couple of years has been boldly move forward expecting correction. And that ties so perfectly into this uh, this principle of let oh, go and play. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's perfect. And you can't steer a parked car, right? So you, mm -hmm. you have to move forward. And that's, that's where that direction uh, comes from. There's a lot more we could say, but uh, we will reserve... <laughs> reserve those thoughts for future podcasts. So subscribe and be present for each one. See what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> the next principle is truly a favorite of mine, and that is accept and build. This attitude of acceptance and building is a total game changer. And really what it means is instead of looking for ways to tear down others' ideas or successes, we can accept and seek ways to add to them or if necessary, redirect them to a better outcome without shutting them down. Validation really plays a huge part. So you could think of it as validation of an offer and a contribution, right? But this, mm -hmm. yeah, especially in a group, this preserves goodwill and builds confidence. And I think everyone listening, I know we can obviously think of examples, you know, people who kind of capture this idea of accept and build. They are builders, they're positive, they are optimistic, they contribute. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, which are the the people who reject, deny, you know, tear down. And uh and we all know what it takes to to truly foster that connection and and community and culture that we've been talking about. And that is through accepting and building. Yeah, that's such a powerful one, and I think it's it's getting some traction in corporate America. Yes. Some of the you'll you'll see some success. I know that uh, I'll talk about this in workshops at the Pixar. They have a really um, powerful yes culture where there's acceptance, and rather than looking for what they can nitpick and pull down, and looking for the problem, they look for what can we work with and how can we build on this idea. And that's part of the reason that Pixar there's there's so unique is because they don't try to start with the, um, they start with a challenge 
a story that might be a little bit odd and then and then build it out from there. So we we can talk more about it in later podcasts. There's so much good stuff, yes. but um, we got to get to the na- the last principle, which is look outward. And this one, it's almost a summary of all the other principles. It's almost a result or a possibility that becomes available when you are uh, showing up and focusing, you're open to learning, and you're accepting and building on others' offers. Because once you're doing those things, then you're better able to recognize others' needs. And sometimes people might feel like, um, well, if I'm too, if I'm looking out for everybody else, then I'm just going to get mowed over and I won't be able to take care of myself. But uh, there's actually real power in this idea of looking past ourselves and looking towards others and seeing how we can help them. And part of that is because, ironically, when we uh, don't focus on ourselves, which is something that fuels fear and insecurity, instead, when we're focused outward, that cultivates generosity and a sense of abundance and that is an essential component of joy. So you're going to feel more joy and you're going to feel more taken, well taken care of. And you're, you're going to be in a much better place than if you were just looking inward, asking, how do I get everything that I want and I need? Um, it's not that you, you have to be a doormat and never take care of yourself, but looking outward and asking what others need is a really powerful way, especially if you're wanting to connect and to build and to create. Oh, and that is such an important one. I love, uh, we've used the verbiage in the past, make your partner look good, which I just uh-huh. love that. Um, and it's look outward for me. I've kind of viewed it as well as kind of like, uh, a, like a package that kind of envelops all of the principles and it, and it really should be kind of this ongoing focus. Absolutely. And, and the motto of, of the podcast, or I don't know what the a tagline about life is a team sport. If we really understand that whenever we're with another person, even if it's in an adversarial role or a perceived adversarial role, you're in the same scene of life and it's, you, you're both in the same, on the same team. And so when we can look at each other as somebody that is there to help us get through this life or have a better experience in life, then we're much more willing to do the same for them. And can you imagine if everybody looked outward and saw everybody around them as a teammate that they wanted to help and assist, and everybody was looking at you like you were somebody on their team that they wanted to help and assist? That'd be phenomenal. That is what we want. That is why we're doing this podcast is we want to look outward and help people view themselves as as teammates. There they are. Those are the four principles of play theory and the foundation of everything we'll be discussing on the podcast. We were very intentional about the title of the podcast, which is The Happiness Playbook. And that's exactly what it is to be empowered in any moment to pull these principles out of your pocket and immediately improve your relationships and your emotional well-being is so powerful. I think now it would be good to touch on what outcomes people can expect from applying these principles. So, Laurie, why don't you give us just a quick summary of what play theory can do? All right. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about them, but just to to wrap it up, it's play theory can cultivate confidence and personal discovery in individuals 
while increasing unity and effective communication and creativity in groups. And it's really a paradigm or mindset that allows for growth and creative collaboration. And I, I love that about it. I think that's it's such a powerful tool to, to see those results. An analogy that I sometimes use when I'm trying to, to teach it is imagine if you want to learn a new skill or gain knowledge that requires you to sign up for a class. So if you wanted to succeed at that, first of all, you'd have to show up or be in attendance in the class. And in, you know maybe that's online or maybe it's walking into the classroom, but you've got to show up. Then you're going to have to accept that you don't already know what the teacher's going to share with you. You have to let go of your safe place and admit you don't have all the answers and you've got to jump in and play along with what's being taught. So that's letting go and playing. Then when the teacher requires an assignment, asks you to do something, then instead of challenging it, accept it and build upon it by doing more than the minimum of what is asked for, and you're going to see excellent results. You're going to excel in the class. And then lastly, after you have gained the knowledge and you've learned this new skill, then look outward and see if there's someone around in your, your perimeter of friends and associates that would be interested in learning what you've mastered and then share it with them. And not only will this be a blessing and a help to them, this deepens your understanding and builds goodwill in your community and relationships and generates joy. So that's that's a really great summary of how play theory can work and how you can um, benefit from it. Our vision for play theory and this podcast is to help individuals and groups improve their personal, familial, and professional relationships through an easily applicable process that immediately enhances connection and communication. And we do that by empowering you to practice timeless truths through experiential learning. That's so good. You know, we mentioned this key element of what we'll be doing on this podcast. We'll be interviewing people who have experienced play theory and dive deeper. And we're really interested in the application. It's fun to get on here and talk about it, but we really want to apply these principles. I'm really excited about this part because over the years, there are so many stories that different people have shared with me. There are individuals who've shared how play theory has helped with overcoming an eating disorder. There have been family dynamics that were really challenging that were improved. I've had parents of kids in our program come up to me and say, I don't know what's happening, but I need every one of my children to participate (laughs) in this because my child is different. They're helpful. They offer to do the dishes. And that's amazing. As we've gone into work environments, we've gotten really wonderful feedback from people talking about how their organization has been more of a team and more team players. I've also had Numerous participants report back to me that they got a job specifically because they talked about play theory in the interview. I'm not kidding. Like the person who hired them will tell them, you know, that stuff that you were talking about, those principles, that was really <laughs> exciting. And I want to know yeah. more about those. <laughs> and and these, these um, young adults will call me up or email me and just say, I couldn't believe it. You've told me that these things were important, but uh, I saw I know it you in can't action. See me right now, but I'm raising my hand because <laughs> I've experienced that too. 
Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to have um, more team players and have a better work environment, right? Every boss is interested in that. Um, On a more personal level, I've had a few participants tell me that play theory has redirected them away from suicide attempts. And I don't want to dwell on that, but suicide among the young adult population is growing in really dramatic fashion. And I think part of that is because of the disconnect in our, in our culture at this time. There's a lot of things that feed into that. But, and I'm not saying that, that play theory is going to solve all of that. But I'm just saying that I have seen even that kind of success with play wow. theory. Wow. So, uh, you know, I want to I be clear that I'm not a psychologist. I know you're <laughs> not a psychologist. And you actually have more education than I do. I have a degree in psychology, but no secondary education. And, you know, we're not saying that this is a cure for everything or that someone should cancel their next appointment with their, their psychiatrist. But we are offering this as a powerful paradigm that can challenge um, the negative fear-based, competitive, comparative culture that we're all swimming in. And for someone who doesn't realize there is another way to see our, our life and our culture and another way to react to things instead of this defensive, fear-based, scarcity mindset, play theory is truly a game changer. Application of these principles is going to be a huge part of the focus. And so each week, we're going to introduce a pro tip. And this is to try to provide a quick opportunity to practice the principle we're discussing. And it should be something that you can do uh, in your day-to-day life. And so I just want to kick things off right and introduce our first pro tip. We'll do be present because that's uh, the first principle and we'll talk more about that next week. But for right now, the pro tip that I want to share is to just in a conversation with someone, what I want you to do this week is to just take two extra seconds before you respond to the individual you are having a conversation with. Make eye contact, be in the moment and just wait those extra two seconds. I've tried this, and what I've found is nine times out of 10, that person was not done sharing their thought. They were not finished. And so often we interject our thoughts or we're so busy thinking about what we are going to say in response to that person um, that we're not being present. And this is a powerful pro tip that I want you to to practice this week and just take those extra two seconds when you're in a conversation and wait for that person to reply. And uh, we would love to hear application of any pro tips that we share your experience with those. If you have any kind of story, um, we would love to hear from you. So if you go to playtheory.org and you navigate to the contact page, we will have a submission form and we would love to hear from you. Whether it's feedback, stories, anything, please reach out so that we can can really build our community here. As we wrap up, we wanted to leave you with as many tools as possible to access these ideas. We would love for you to be a part of the Play Theory team and join the community on Facebook. So we're going to have a Facebook group. And again, there will be a call to action front and center on playtheory.org. So it should be easy to find. Um, And in that group and in these uh, forms, we want you to share your thoughts. 
Uh, we want you to engage and to, to collaborate. Um, we're certainly going to be sharing more about exercises you can conduct in groups if you're interested to, to teach these principles. So there's going to be a lot of good things um, going on there. So visit the website. And in the coming months, we're actually going to be building out an online experiential uh, course that uh, will help us dive deeper into the principles as well. So stay tuned for that. That is absolutely wonderful. And we will need your help to reach more people. So this is not a pro tip, but it's something you can do to practice another principle, which is look outward and go on to iTunes. And we would love it if you would give us five stars and share a review, even if it's just taking the time to type in one word and say something like, awesome. If you've got more to say about the podcast, that is even better because that's one of the ways that this podcast can reach more people and help improve our culture. Yes, that is so helpful getting those reviews in. This is the end of the podcast here, but Laurie, thank you so much. This was so fun. And I am just so grateful for, for you, for all the work you've done, for really being the founder and the catalyst for all of this goodness and positivity going out into the world. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, well, you are so welcome. And I do want to say that it is a team effort. I do not take sole responsibility. And I'm just so excited to be on this team. And I'm excited to, to share in this effort with you. This has been a wonderful experience being able to talk about these things. And I look forward to helping more behind the scenes in the podcast. So thank you, Neil. Thank you very much. You're awesome. And if you have worked with Lurie or if she has impacted your life in any way, what better way to say thank you than to hop on there, share your love, give a review. Okay, as we mentioned, we're really trying to shift our culture from scarcity and insecurity to abundance and confidence. So join the movement and help us change the world for the better, one listener at a time. Welcome to the Play Theory team. We couldn't be happier to have you on board. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much.